Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Ryan. And this is Worth the Work. A quirky and insightful look into the world of therapy with topics that matter to you. Every time, Rye. I know. Every time. So, what are we talking about today? Anxiety. Do you like sing professionally? Uh, only in the shower. <laughs> let's keep it there. <laughs> so, let's talk about anxiety, Ryan. Let's talk about it. Anxiety is what I feel. All the time. Before every single podcast recording. That's actually accurate, yes. Yeah. So talk to me about it, Ryan. What is what is anxiety? Well, anxiety is a feeling of uneasiness, as it were. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. do want to like elaborate? No, no. That's all I got. You're too anxious to elaborate. Too anxious to elaborate. <laughs> is there is there mild anxiety? Is there yes? Major but I think anxiety? we should define it before we go on. <sighs> Fine. I mean, I'm just saying. So how would you define anxiety? Well, I would define anxiety as a collection of physical, physiological, and mental symptoms. Very good. Right. I mean, most diagnoses can be described like that. It's it's both vague and... So why don't we start with some of the physical symptoms? Okay. Hands... Um, hands. What happens to your hands, Ryan? I I actually know what ha- happens to your hands. Your your yeah. palms are sweaty. Then your knees get weak. Your arms are heavy. Sometimes there's vomit on your sweater already. It's mom's spaghetti. You're nervous, but on the surface you look calm and ready. Can I get a new co-host? <laughs> Anybody, please. Anybody. Songs help me. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. But for real. So physical symptoms of anxiety: sweating palms, shakiness. Racing thoughts. Did I take away what you were going to say? I mean, yes. Okay, what else? Well, with the sweatiness comes clammy hands. Could be a number of different things. Rapid heartbeat? Yeah. Feeling that your your chest is going to explode? You feel like, yeah, could be. A lot of times you feel overwhelmed by the physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. It feels like for some people, literally, that they're going to die. Well, and that's where we're getting into a, a panic attack or Correct. an anxiety attack. And I Correct. think we'll we'll come back to that. So I don't want to delve into that too much oh just yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm just mentioning the symptoms. Okay. What about the uh, mental or psychological symptoms? I do like the word psychological better. Agreed. So- which is why I changed it. So racing thoughts, um, the the tendency to worry about things. I mean, that's really what anxiety is, is worry, generally speaking, whether it's conscious or otherwise, of yeah. something. And a lot of times it's things that aren't even rational. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, when I'm feeling anxious, I get angry when I know the thoughts are irrational. Like, I know that what I'm thinking right now is the most ridiculous thing ever, but I can't make it stop. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to make it stop. And then that makes you anxious about being anxious. Right. Which is its own category. Right. And the basic response that people have to anxiety, which in fairness is they have to any kind of threat, is what they call, you've heard fight or flight. Well, in reality, it's fight, flight, or freeze. Because people are 
you're generally going to do one of those three things when well, something let's, happens. Let's describe each of those things too. Okay, so fight. Well, I'm all beat you up. Okay. I'm going to fight whatever the thing is that mm-hmm. I feel is going to harm me. And that's where the anger comes from. Correct. The acting out, the mm-hmm. the actual physical acting out. Correct. What is what is flight? Run away. Get away fast. Get away so fast. I don't know why you said that in an accent. I don't accent know why sudden. I did either. But yes, it's getting out of there, out of the situation. So if you're at, let's say, school and you're feeling anxious, your instinct is to leave the room or to leave school or leave work or whatever it is that's making leave you anxious. Leave the relationship. Leave the relationship. And then the one that sometimes gets left out, but I think is all the more common than any of them, yeah, really, is freeze. Stop. Drop. I mean, you don't usually drop, but some people no, could sorry, drop in my freeze. Um, you're right. Freeze. And that can be any number of things from literally freezing in the situation and not doing anything, like not moving, staying there, to also staying in a relationship that's not healthy right. or staying in a situation, whether it's work or whatever, that isn't healthy. Right. I like to sometimes liken these symptoms to animals because I think sometimes people understand them easier when they think about the way that an animal responds when it's um, scared. Mm -hmm. So fight would be like when the bear comes after you, when the bear sort of puts up its claws and growls and, and literally comes after you. Also, when the skunk lets out its like putrid perfume, that is also sort of a fight mechanism. Flight would be when something leaves. So, um, and suddenly I can't think of any animal that leaves, but I know that there's lots of animals. How about every animal? Every too close. (laughs) Every animal that scurries away when Mm -hmm. you get too close. Uh, That would be an example of flight. And then freeze is like when you're driving down the road, at least up here in Pennsylvania, and the lovely deer come out and just stand in the road and stare at you, or the possum literally just collapses in on itself and lays there. Um, That would be an example of freeze. Because these are very basic, um, basic responses. Because at the very core of it, we are animals too. We are. We all evolved. Je- not that kind, you pervert. Really? That's what you took from that? Yes. Um, God. But yeah, so, I mean, we are, those are basic responses, and that's, you know, how we react to fear or to anxiety. And again, that's what we've done for thousands of years. Yeah. So it's very natural. Can anxiety ever be helpful? Absolutely. How so, Ryan? Well... Let's say you're in a situation that is dangerous. What is it that is making you get out of there or fight back? It's usually the anxiety of being there, right? Yeah. It's telling you that something's wrong most of the time. Except for when it's not. Except for when it's it's lying to you. It is telling you that all of the things are wrong when they're not. So, Mm -hmm. Ryan, how for many people, does anxiety become a thing? What happens? I feel like I'm going to feed you this next thing. What happens in our early childhood experiences for many that helps to uh, make anxiety a thing for some people? Well, I believe you're talking about attachment. I mean, yes, but more so core messages. 
okay. Well, I mean, six one <laughs> half core, doesn't I mean, to be fair, core messages, core messages, messages, core messages are built in the attachments that we have for mm-hmm. a lot of well, people. Why don't you start with attachments? And well, then I'll talk about core messages. Well, attachment is the way that we relate to others in relationship, um, with our obvious first attachment being to our primary caregiver, whether that's the person who birthed us or the person who cared from us, cared for us post-birth. Um, and it's everybody after that that we have a relationship with that has some sort of um, depth to it. Right. So that's something that's developed in early childhood. Correct. And, I mean, you have attachments that exist. I have an attachment with my husband, and I wasn't right, with him in early childhood. That, but what I'm saying is that it's built in early childhood. The, and, the way that we attach and our, our understanding you. of attachment and our attachment patterns are typically developed in early infancy and early childhood. Sometimes she makes it difficult for no reason. Listen, I just don't want people to walk away thinking that they can't attach in adult life. I'm just saying. Okay. So core messages. These are these lovely things we get. Now, where do we get them from? It can be family, parents, teachers, society, friends. So let's talk about some of the core messages that exist for a lot of people. I'm not good enough. Mm, Yeah. I have to be thin to be pretty. I'm never going to be somebody. I'm not good at sports. (laughs) I am a fraud and a liar. Mm -hmm. And again, we're using all of these I statements, but they don't always start that way. Um, A lot of times it's you're told these things. You're not good enough. You're not pretty you're not whatever now is it always a direct message is your parent or your peers sitting you down and going oh my god ryan you're so dumb i don't know why the parents became valley girls i don't either because i grew up in the 70s and 80s (laughs) i that's all i can tell you no comment so yes it's not always these direct messages when we talk about societal messages i mean think about almost every movie you see you know, there's a certain type for the guy and the girl of what they're going to look like. You know, this Hollywood type. Look at magazines. I mean, they're all these models of a certain. And again, I'm using body shape here mostly, but we're talking about a very specific thing. There and becomes a norm. Yeah. What what society tells you is that you have to be like this, look like this, mm-hmm. act like this, sound like this in order to be accepted and be mm-hmm. okay. And that, and those messages come in any number of ways. And they, I mean, there's messages, core messages about race that, you know, if you're, again, the majority of mainstream media, a lot of times is white. Yeah. Right. So we're not getting those black and brown representations that we normally would. Correct. So again, these are all kind of different core messages. And a lot of times we develop. Our own core messages from what we hear and experience and absorb as children and grow up. Right. And then we sort of, once that core message sort of gets there, or once the initiating message gets, sorry, I had, I had to burp. Once the, once we're the, professional here, just so you know. The, we're just going to keep talking. Once the initiating message gets there, we sort of have a habit sometimes as the creatures that we are of finding validation of that message over and over and over again, whether or not that message is actually the one that the person intends to give us. 
And we seek validation for those, even though that's not, how do I say this? It's, we find the validation for it, whether it exists or not. Right. Right. We say, oh, well, this validates that I'm not good enough at this or whatever it might be. I'm not good at math. I'm, you know, whatever that message is, you are going to find a way. The brain, screwed up as it is, finds a way to validate that message. The beautiful beast of the brain. I love the brain. I am so in love with the brain. So complex. Okay. This just got weird. I, I I have a special relationship with the brain. It's my favorite. So, Ryan, how can anxiety impact somebody's life? Well, um, it can prevent you from doing things. Yeah. There can be a lot of things like, oh, I'm having anxiety. I'm not going to go on this roller coaster to I have anxiety. I'm not going to apply for this job. I'd never get it. I don't think I'm good enough. Yada, I'm not yada, going yada. to leave my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And and again, just as we talked about last week with depression, where, you know, there's different levels, you know, there's mild, moderate, obviously then very severe, and it can be something that is diagnosable and also not. Everybody has anxiety. anxiety. Everybody has anxiety about something, right? It's a human emotion. It does not mean, again, with depression, it does not mean you're actually an anxious person or you suffer from anxiety, but you are experiencing anxiety. And I think, again, we, we talk about these diagnoses that people are given And a good number of people are given the diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. So anybody who comes in and they they sort of give an anxious statement or give off the vibe of anxiety, a lot of practitioners will automatically say, okay, you have generalized anxiety disorder. And that may or may not be valid. And And I think it's important to say, too, is that... You know, anxiety is, again, has a, is one of those gendered diagnoses. I think historically, women that had any sort of emotions or feelings whatsoever were told that they were just anxious women. Um, and they were treated for anxiety. And maybe the actual issue is that, you know, the men didn't want to listen to them. Or they had opinions or thoughts. How dare they? I'm just saying. But yeah, and and again, it also is one of those diagnostic diagnostic codes. Sorry, I don't know English very well. Um, that a lot of times therapists use just to satisfy the uh, insurance companies, right? Because it is benign, you know. I mean, it literally is called generalized anxiety. Like that literally could be anyone in the world. Right. It, I mean, it literally could. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about so somebody goes, well, am I an anxious person? OK, let's let's dive into that a little bit. So if you climb on a rock, a very tall rock on a very tall mountain and you look down and your stomach drops, that's anxiety. That doesn't mean that you have anxiety. It means that this situation that you're in is an anxious situation. Like you said, with the roller coaster, I'm standing in line. My palms are getting sweaty. My stomach or my heart feels like it's in my stomach. I don't want to do it at the same time that I want to do it. I have all sorts of hormones and whatnot flooding my body. That doesn't mean that I have generalized anxiety disorder. It means that this situation right now is causing me anxiety because there's something that I don't know and can't predict that's going to happen. And my brain isn't sure if I will survive it. So what's the difference between anxiety and fear? 
I think that there is anxiety in fear. Sure. And I think that for a lot of people, especially people who really enjoy the the horror genre, mm-hmm. there is that chemical release of anxiety in the fear that makes them want to keep watching the movie because it's 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 an exhilarating hormone. Okay, fair. <laughs> And, you know, when we're talking about, you know, this standing on a, a rock and having this anxiety of, you know, it's not the same as a fear of heights. That's right. a very different thing. That's right. a phobia. And that's, I think, something for a future topic. Right. But we're talking about just the anxiety piece. Yeah. So. The physiological symptoms that occur when this experience happens. Yeah, we can say that if you want to be professional or whatever. But, you know, one of the things that. I think ties into anxiety is the, the then idea of anxiety and panic attacks. Right. Right. So what is a panic attack? Why don't you describe it, Ryan? From personal experience or from, so (laughs) it is basically when all of the physiological and Psychological. Psychological, thank you for the word, because I was having a moment. Uh, symptoms are all present at an extreme level. So, you know, sometimes for people, it can start with, you know, just that clammy feeling, feeling sweaty, things like that. And then it can build up into a sense of dread. It can, it, for the physical symptoms, it can be your heart racing. You start sweating profusely. Um, you can get lightheaded. You can feel like you're going to pass out. You can often feel like you're going to have a heart attack or die. Um, it can be a really scary thing. <laughs> it can for, be scary to watch somebody experience absolutely. this as well. Because there's there's not a lot you can do mm-hmm. when somebody is in that state. Right. You kind of have to write it out sometimes because it's you you can't always verbally or physically override that experience for the person. Yes. It it, it is a very cuz it's a scary thing to experience and it's a scary thing for people to witness, right? For yeah. both both sides of that. And I think that I mean, is that a good description of I, what a panic attack is? I think that you is? described yourself very well. Uh, nobody asked you. <laughs> but I think it's also, you know, the, again, your your thoughts are racing. Sometimes they're coherent. Sometimes they're not. Right. Sometimes the physical feelings overtake the psychological ones, and you don't really know what's going on. You don't know why it's happening, but you just, you know, and sometimes it can be like an urge to, you know, use the restroom. You know, you feel like you're going to lose control of your bowels. Are you or talking about like anxiety poops? Well. Well, I wasn't specifically talking about yeah. anxiety poops. I was talking about <laughs> panic attacks. But sure, Amanda, why don't you talk about anxiety poops? Well, I mean, not that I have anxiety poops. Mm-hmm. When I get anxious, my nose starts to run. That's okay. my physiological symptom that occurs, is I start to get a runny nose. And I don't know why I get the runny nose. I don't know what... Um, survival mechanism my brain has determined that a runny nose is. Um, but that's my that's one of my physiological symptoms is getting a runny nose before I have to do something that I'm anxious about doing. Okay, well, back to panic attacks, because <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Is the sorry, my phone just activated. Apparently it <laughs> thought I was talking to Google. So with panic attacks, it, it it can be this sense of overwhelming dread and doom. 
And one of the things, again, that I think is really worth pointing out, because the first time you experience it, or really every time you experience it, it can seem so scary, is that it, it really can't hurt you. Yeah. Right? There, it, You are not going to have a heart attack during a panic attack. Right. Um, you are not going to literally die. You know, these are all things that are not going to happen to you. It just feels like it, which is what is so scary about it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, as you've kind of figured out, thanks to Amanda's not so subtle illusions. I have anxiety too, Ryan. Uh, I have had panic attacks before and they, the first time I had one, I had no idea what was going on. It, this was before I was a therapist. I was just in, in undergrad and it was just a very, very bizarre experience. And it's something I struggled with for a while. And, you know, it's interesting because a friend of mine who had also struggled with it gave me some advice. She said, Yes, they're awful and they're terrible, but the one thing she did like about them is that after a panic attack would subside, which usually happens within five to ten minutes, if not sooner, is that she would kind of almost feel invincible for a little while because she knew, yeah, because she knew she couldn't have another, like you can't have another panic attack right on top of the old one. Right. And that's because that what happens is when you're having a panic attack, it's kicking in that fight, flight or freeze. Right. And what does your body do when your heart's beating fast? It's pumping that adrenaline throughout your body. It's basically preparing you to to do what you need to do to, to survive. So that's kind of one of the things that's always helped me, at least personally, think about it is. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Like, once I get through this, I'll be fine. And then I can't have one for a while. So I feel good about that. You know, it's kind of a a different way to look at it. And I want to reel it back in just for as we, you know, head towards the ending of the podcast. I want to reel it back into the more mild anxiety or the anxiety that people feel sort of on a regular um, and I'm wondering if there's any way that people can manage their anxiety, Ryan. Well, when I figure that out, I'll let you know. No, I'm just kidding. Absolutely. So there's a lot of things that you can do to manage your anxiety. Um, Some of the simple things can simply be, you know, having a routine, you know, something that, you know, kind of eases your mind as you go through it. What else, Amanda? Well, and I'm sitting here thinking, too, I said before that I have a, a really deep relationship with the brain and I love the brain. So I think it's important. So we're talking about anxiety being an emotional response in a lot of ways. And one of the things that's important to know is that it's really kind of impossible to be in your emotional brain, feeling pure emotion, and also in your logic brain, thinking logically. And so sometimes what's important when you're feeling anxious is to start identifying what's true and what's not true, what's not true i can speak um what isn't isn't what isn't isn't true in your present situation so if my anxiety is telling me you're a failure failure you'll never make it um everybody dislikes you or whatever whatever your message is i'm not saying mine um then you look for evidence that sort of is against whatever your brain is telling you so you look for evidence that says well okay 
I did this thing really well, so there's evidence that I can succeed. I was able to do, I was able to go to school. I was able to have a successful day. For some people, it might be just as simple as I was able to get out of bed today. So there's my evidence that, you know, I'm okay. Uh, but it's, it's really working intently a lot of the times with a therapist. I think, I think, again, this is one of those stigmatizing things of, well, nobody can know that I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. Um, because then what will they think of me? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause again, it hits that core message and the anxiety of, well, if I go see a therapist, then, you know, they're going to know all of this stuff about me and then they're going to validate all of these things I believe about myself. Um, however, <laughs> they might. And I think that that is a reality is there might be some things that you're anxious about that actually do exist and are real. And that's where a therapist can come in to sort of help you to rationally discuss them and logically look at them and sort of parse out what is real and what isn't real and what you do have the capacity to change. Right. Cause a lot of times these fears, these, you know, anxieties are not always rational, right? We're, 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 you know, it can be like a sense of feeling trapped, you know, like you can't leave a certain room or a certain area. And in reality, there's very few times in life you're actually trapped in a place. Like you can get up and and leave and walk out. I mean, like there's, they can't stop you. Well, and this isn't a character defect. Anxiety is not a character defect. It's a literal physiological uh, thing that happens when your brain determines that you're in danger. So, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm anxious. There's something wrong with me. No, like you're anxious because your brain has determined there's a threat and it's causing your palms to get sweaty and all of these things to happen because you're responding in a way that will help you get out of a situation quickly. Even even the the quote unquote anxiety poops. If your body believes that it's going to be in danger, then the animalistic thing to do is to go to the bathroom because then the predator won't want to be anywhere near you. That's what skunks do. Skunks, <laughs> I guess, have anxiety toots. Somebody help me, please. <laughs> Anybody, please. You love it. But anyway, yeah, um, you know, sometimes that we when we have this sense of fear or or dread it 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 can be rational it cannot be but it is this worry that we have right, right. and that's what is a job of a therapist is help us figure out is this a rational worry okay if it is how do we work on it and if it's not then how do we look at it in a different light yeah we don't have to suffer i think that's that's i <laughs> For me, that's like a big theme (laughs) is that you don't have to suffer. You don't have to suffer in silence. You can sit with somebody and and just, you know, full transparency. I think it's important to say that I get anxious if I have to go do things. You know what I mean? Like, Like I met with a therapist the other day and I was so anxious beforehand that I almost threw a tantrum and didn't go in. That's very mature of you. Because I am very mature. I'm just saying my brain is not always mature. Mm-hmm. My brain acts in its anxiety sometimes and wants to fold its hands and, and kick its feet and say, no. Anxiety. It's there. <laughs> it's real. It's real. But yeah, I think that's a valid point. I mean, it is something that everybody has to some degree or another. I mean, some people, you know, you may like, oh, they're never anxious. I guarantee you yeah. there's time they're anxious. <laughs> they're just they're just better at hiding it. Yeah. I mean, 
that's definitely some truth to that, you know? And again, the, a, I think with anxiety and depression, like we talked about last week, there's a lot of stigma around those yeah. just with any mental health thing that we, you know, if you talk about it, then you're crazy or whatever, you know, again, that terrible word that is not accurate, but that's what comes to mind for a lot of people. So if I want to get help or I want to help my loved one get help, what can I do? Well, again, the same thing we've talked about before is listening, not offering advice per se, but suggesting they talk to somebody, you know? And again, you know, we're not going to every week be saying, oh, go help them look on psychology today. I mean, we might. Well. We do not get paid by psychology today. I think that's important. But I'm just saying, if you go Google therapist near me, it's. First thing it's going to pop up, at least in the U.S. You can also call your insurance company Mm -hmm. and see who they recommend who specializes in anxiety. Because I do think it's important that when you are looking for a therapist and you know what issue you want to work on, it's important to find somebody that actually enjoys doing the work that you're looking to get done. Because not every therapist likes working on client or working with clients who struggle with anxiety. And yes, we're all trained We all have the same basic training, but there's a lot of advanced training that we do. And some of us might not focus on anxiety. So it might not make sense to come to somebody who deals with, you know, grief and loss when you're having anxiety or vice versa. Right. It's something about finding the right person for you. And again, like we've talked about with therapy, it's all about finding a therapist you're comfortable with because that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess that's it for anxiety today. Yeah, and I, I feel like I I feel like we could have talked five more hours about this. So this oh, is absolutely this is just a a overview. This is not deep, deep, deep anxiety talk. Maybe we'll revisit in the future in a different way when we're less anxious. When we're less anxious, um, <laughs> I'm just saying. So that's it for this episode. Again, as always, you can follow us on Facebook at Worth the Work. Um, I think it's Amanda and Ryan worth the work, but it also could just be worth the work. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Um, We also have our own individual uh, pages on Facebook, Amanda Johns LCSW and Ryan Lynch LCSW. And then we have our Instagram account, which is worth the work underscore. (coughs) Charming. (laughs) I just coughed again. And we have our website, worththework.net, which tells you a little bit more about Ryan and I and the work that we do here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And if you have any comments or thoughts, anything, feel free to share them on our Instagram page. If you have a topic that you want to hear, we will welcome that with open arms. With open arms. Most topics. I I know some of you listening, and we are not talking about that. No, we probably will. We will. Absolutely. But maybe not right away. Right. Yeah. So feel free to give us feedback, thoughts, questions. You know, we love to have an interactive portion of this. And we're going to have guest speakers at some point. Um, When we figure out how to do our mics effectively for ourselves, then we will involve other people. Right. (laughs) So do we want to talk about what next week's episode is going to be? I think next week we might talk a little bit about addiction. Okay. It's not what I was thinking, but sure. We'll do addiction. I think that we might need to. Okay. Okay. All right. So we'll address addiction next week. Aren't you excited? I'm so excited. (sighs) Talk about the stigma there. Okay. Well, 
That's your your teaser. (laughs) You guys have a good day. Be safe. Take care of yourselves and each other. I feel like I was just... Saying all of the goodbyes (laughs) that you can possibly think of. You have value simply because you exist. Oh, that's so corny, but true. Okay, guys. Until next week. Bye.